Good evening and welcome to horror. I am Drunken Lee. <laughs> and I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Yes, that's right. We are here for the second part of Camp Horror Month. Um, I am drunk, which is unusual, which means you're allowed to find it funny and it's not a sign of a problem. Uh, actually, I think I've started that episode. I think I've started episodes twice like this so far in the year, but it is because I've stopped drinking and not. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good marker, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I've only turned up twice out of 12 episodes or what, something. Yeah. yeah, having drunk. It's fine. Um, Yes, so we are here to discuss the amazing, well, I know Adam and I find it amazing. We're yet to find out Chris's opinion. Of the well, 19- we might be about to find out just how transparent I am. <laughs> Chris sent a message to the group saying, can't wait to talk about this film. I'm not telling you one way or the other, wink. <laughs> if he doesn't love this film, I'm going to be really, yeah, really this... surprised. <laughs> this might be the end. <laughs> Um, there, there will be spoilers. There will be swearing. Um, and other than that, uh, I, oh, one quick piece of housekeeping I didn't mean to mention. Um, uh, on the last episode when we did All About Evil, I mentioned that I'd first heard about the film from Patrick. Um, mm. And I forgot to mention Patrick does have a podcast. I didn't realise it was still going until I went and checked it out. Um, so for anyone who's interested, Scream, Scream Queens, and it's Queens with a Z, um, and it's Patrick and uh, all of the LGBTQ community from New York, like he's part of uh, a big kind all of, of uh, not all of them, no. So all right, okay. <laughs> he doesn't know everybody, I don't think it's, you know, <laughs> oh, you're from London, do you know Mrs. Salis? It's not like that. Um, <laughs> But... I was just thinking that's going to be. Diff- I mean, we find it difficult enough with three of us. <laughs> but if, you know, if the entire community there, yeah, <laughs> they've all You're got each other's phone numbers. It's a bit, um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but his podcast is. Uh, it, it, he's. I think his tagline is. Uh... No, I can't remember what it is. Oh, where horror <laughs> gets gay. That was it. it was, oh, he changed it. Well it used to be where horror gets bent, but he's changed it to where horror gets gay. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fantastic show. Um, so go and check that out. I forgot to mention that. So after the housekeeping, Chris, what did you make of Elvira? Well, I'm going to have to start with the obligatory innuendo. And this film has got at least a couple of really big things going for it. <laughs> However, it has a whole lot more than just a couple because it is pretty awesome from start to finish. <laughs> and, with, and with one word, Chris was safe. <laughs> I'm going to say also a, a shout out to Algonquin, another another excellent uh, dog actor. Oh, yes. The, yeah. well, the, dog's, the dog's name is Binny. Oh. And he's an asshole by all accounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparent apparently he was he was, yeah, somewhat a, a troublesome presence on set is what I gather from what they've said. Um also um he's in um oh what was it? He's in two other two other films. Um I think he's in the where is it, Man with Two Brains? I'm yeah, sure I saw something that. weird like that. That's yeah, um, yeah, man with two brains and ruthless people. So quite a few, you know, and excuse the pun, but quite a comedy pedigree. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not quite, it's not quite the dog from uh, the thing. No, it's, or or from um, or or the CV of the dog from the birds. But yes, it's still. But they still do make cute. him look very, very cute. It's, Even if he is int- a vicious little. There's an interesting thing though, is that I did notice that obviously when Gonk turns into a mouse, the mouse has the same die job and mm. punk gear and everything. They didn't do that to the Rottweiler, did they? And it's almost <laughs> like you know, was it, it's, everyone's should we just should we, let's leave it? I no, yeah. they're looking at the dog <laughs> as he just stares them down with his dead. Teddy bear eyes of like 
<laughs> of murder. I think yes. that would be the best way it's gone. Um, yes. So, Chris, I mean, it's funny. Like watching it this time, I noticed how tame the comedy is. Like, I, I mean, I always enjoy it. I thought it was fantastic. But watching it this time and kind of making notes about it, I realised mm. there are no jokes in this that would be like too far beyond being in a carry-on film. Or yeah. Okay. Like it's almost a very British restrained comedy. Like it's not. It, I mean, when you look at Elvira, she could totally go over the top and slutty, but she never, she never quite goes there, which I quite liked. It's it's unusual because it does, like you say, it's because from what I gather, they were trying to make it kind of family friendly. Almost family like. friendly, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I don't know what ages I would necessarily show my kids quite but yet, but I, I, I more, can definitely see. Yeah. I think it's more that you don't, you wouldn't mind if they walked into the room. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't. Any, you wouldn't. There's you, nothing you know I mean? too they, awful. Yeah, they can potter around with that in the background without you at any point thinking, "Oh, let's switch this off." No, yeah, you know, as opposed to most of the things we watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's interesting, though. So why did you say that particularly this time? Like, why did that stand out to you, Lee? I, yeah, I don't know. I think I just, yeah, I just, in my mind, I think, mm. and, and I think it's because of Elvira's appearance, I always think with... she goes further mm. than she actually does. And the fact that this was written by, um, it, it was three people who wrote it, but Cassandra Peterson was mm. uh, was obviously like the force of the character behind it. Um, yeah, yeah, and I kind of remember it being quite risque and quite mm. near the nut. But again, and actually, when I sat down and watched it again and made notes on it, I was like, no, it it isn't. It's all very innocent. And the, yeah. the clear, the nearest they come to doing anything risque, they were saying, was like a massive discussion about the one joke that they thought might go too far, and so, which I thought was relatively. You know. Which was the, isn't that isn't it the it's the how's your head isn't it yeah 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 no complaints so far yeah. but again <laughs> I think that that's 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 one of those ones that's fast enough and vroom, mm. over the yeah. top of your head if you're not I also have to say and this is again sort of because when did you when did you first see this Lee at the around the sort of time it came out. So I saw this like on video. It, yeah, I saw it when it was out on. So it came out on video, um, and I believe we rented it on video, and saw it then. And then I purchased it from Woolworths uh, for Ooh. five pounds ninety nine on VHS mm -hmm. and watched the living shit out of it. Um, it was one of those yeah. that just like as a boy in his early sort of preteens, early teens. It was comedy, horror. It was, uh, she was into heavy metal. Um, there was lots of boob references. Like, it was everything I wanted in a film. Um, it's got all the elements, yeah, definitely. So it was, like, it was my See, background movie. Mm. See, I think that there's something to be said for the fact of seeing it as a... Um, as a teenager or as a teenage boy and watching Elvira is that I think that's why you may have thought it's ruder than it is. Yeah. <laughs> in so much point... as you were watching yeah. it in a horny state yourself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> yeah, and I think so I, I think was you... comparing it to what was on TV at the time where it was all like, you know, mm. it was so subdued. This was a little step above that. Not, not a massive mm. amount. But enough that in my mind I was like, oh, it's you know, it's it, it's very most of the boot most of the jokes are boob orientated or a sexual in connotation, which obviously growing up watching the BBC and ITV, you didn't really get that. So it felt You're watching the wrong bloody ones, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, the carry ons. Yeah. You know. Mm. Carry on's actually it's again it's that sort of thing of you can watch it as a kid and it's then you get a bit older and you're like you realise I shouldn't have been watching yeah. this, did I? Yeah. But you didn't get it when it's, you were it's a the, kid. the style of it. And I think I was gonna say the same. Elvira herself is actually so sweet 
and likable that most of what she says yeah it's just it almost does make it feel just uh, yeah much more gentle than than it perhaps is actually actually, i think the the, probably the worst scene was was the uh, uh the uh festival you know the oh yeah yeah oh yes yeah, I suppose. Probably, yeah, which is which is sort of Elvira's not, not actually. No, she's not doing it. it. She's <laughs> observing it, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, indirectly. But I think also that. Um, yeah, I think there's. It's it's also watching it. I'm sort of really pleased to realise that I've been watching this film, where the main female protagonist who is funny also doesn't have any shit off anyone mm, and yeah. doesn't get saved by a bloke. Yeah. In many, in many ways, you've got the, Bob's character is a damsel in yeah. distress himself. He would be like the sort of floozy girlfriend or whatever, or like sort of dumb blonde. Uh, the, the term himbo, mm-hmm. which I've been recommended to use. Um, and it's, and but he doesn't, like he doesn't kick down the door and save her from the flames at the end or something like that, you know. Is she like owns the shit out of it? It's you know she doesn't have any crap off anyone, and you know. But also it's, it's that sort of great thing as well where it's like there's no <laughs> there's no sort of pretense to it. The whole thing is just like no fuck this. I just want the money. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get too far. You don't get too far into a hey, it turns out it was all the friends we made, and it's like, no, I actually will still this still still sell this house and go to fucking Vegas. Of course yeah. that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> it's nice as well. You know, it nineteen eighty eight, there's a lot of films from that era as well that um when you watch them back now are kind of problematic about some of the people that they possibly make fun of or are, you know, are the butt of jokes. And you don't get any of that in this particularly. I mean no, because everyone, everyone who is the butt of a joke, sort of it. Des- yeah, deserves it. Yeah, and but also they are still modern. They are still villains yeah. now. It's not. They're still the villains now because they spent years telling you who the villains were mm-hmm. when it was people that you shouldn't be picking on or you shouldn't be taking the piss out of, and. Yeah, that's so. It's it's a nice turnaround. That it's that thing of oh no, it's this the boring sort of what is it the sort of political religious crossover? Yeah, mm. that's that's pe- peculiarly American, but it does have its place. It, it does crop up a lot everywhere else. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's, it's of, very strong. Yeah, in America, the, just the how majority, puritanical. Yeah, yeah, the moral majority are the wrong people in this. They. Mm. Would mm. be the ones chasing people down for playing Dungeons and Dragons. See, I suppose they're kind like, of punching down, aren't they? Really, exactly. That's so, the thing. Like, yeah, like, you know, this is actually the the people who you are not meant to like are the people who have their stranglehold on this town. Yeah, and and everyone is too afraid to stand up to them mm. because it just makes your life impossible and. Elvira turns up and couldn't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's such a fantastic character. And I think that's, I think it's a sign of how good a character she is that it crossed over so much from someone whose job was literally to do, like, I I went and watched on YouTube some of the movies from the old movie Macabre. Um, Mm. Yeah. And she had a total of maybe 10 or 11 minutes her episode to kind of get her message across but it just goes to show how strong that character they created was mm. that they could have such a you know like a minor character who was just there to kind of sell public domain films and they could go oh actually we'll make an entire motion picture about her and mm. it works so well it, it just well, goes to show what a fantastic character is really i mean obviously she looks incredible mm. so that immediately is the arresting selling factor, but there's something to back it up in that it's like, oh, we watched this thing and we were flicking channels and I thought, who the fuck's that? And actually, I and stayed that, for the She is actually a good character. And, and, you know, yeah. 
and definitely mm. that's that's a real testament to Cassandra Peterson is that she's created this she's created this character that can and also it's it's interesting it's that thing of having a, a rounded character whereby Elvira can be wrong and right Mm, yeah, yeah. Into, definitely. You know what I mean, it's like it's not. They're not sort of like she's not a crusader in any way, shape, or form. She just does what she wants to do, mm. and yeah. But it's this sort of um, and but apparently the the um when because she was part of a improv group called the Groundlings, who were like this LA. They, I, I think they're still going, but there's her sort of year or sort of like time she was there um she was with john paragon who's one of the writers on this and uh paul rubens who was Wee herman mm. so she's in the Wee herman uh Wee herman's big adventure um and um and also phil uh hartman was there and phil hartman is probably known to you as uh either troy mcclure or lionel hutz yeah, and actually, uh, Tress McNeil was there as well, and she's in the film. She plays the newsreader right at the start where she pulls her wig off. Oh, cool! Uh, and Tress McNeil has done like 604 episodes of The Simpsons. She's hmm. Agnes Skinner, Dolph, Lunch Lady Doris, Crazy Cat hmm. Lady, Nelson's mum, uh, Hibbard's wife. Uh, she and she's Booberella. When they do boo boo, okay. which is obviously <laughs> the, their Elvira character. Mm. Um, but yeah, so she was with this comedy troupe of like improv comedy team, and she came up with Elvira's personality, but she was just a sort of valley girl type. And then when she got, when she auditioned and got the part to do Elvira, they basically left it up to her. And her and her friend, uh, Robert Redding basically designed her look and came up with the character and everything else like that. Uh, and Robert Redding died um, from an AIDS-related illness before, like before the film came out. Mm. And it's dedicated to him. And the picture, like the portrait of Magana Talbot, is a picture that he did of. Um, Cassandra Peterson out of Elvira gear. Oh, oh wow! So that's actually that painting already existed before the film, and that was like, yeah, and that's in there mm. again as a sort of tribute to him. But yeah, she basically between the pair of them, they came up with this sort of goth punk metal image. Mm. Um, it's such yeah, an iconic and, and look, isn't it? I mean, it's, like, yeah, if yeah. someone it's wears really an Elvira look. Like someone wears it as a costume, there's no, there's no mm. confusion it with there. anyone else. It's. I, th and so I think it's the best testament to it is you know Vampira, mm. um, the uh, she was again uh, Chris she was a horror host in the 1950s mm. and originally they were asking her to produce the series of movie macabre, but she okay. wanted a different actress to be, she she wasn't going to be doing it as vampire but they were going to get a vampire and they fell out over she wanted a particular person cast and they didn't want them hmm. uh so she left the thing and then they were like well we're still going with this female horror host and then cassandra peterson gets the job she creates elvira but um vampire i'm trying to think what's her bloody name um oh i can't think it's um uh, Malia Nurmi. Um, mm. And she sent like a cease and desist order basically saying, no, this is just a rip-off Vampira and I own the rights to Vampira. And mm. the court found in Elvira's favour okay. because they were like, well, there's similarities, but it's clear. And I think it's a testament to the fact that you've created this entire character. Yeah, it's not just a look. Because... You know, there is an element there where you could argue, well, there's the Ira, uh, there's the sort of sexy black costume. I mean, not as overt in Vampire's case, mm. but it's sort of, yeah. But they were obviously like, no, this is, it's similarities, yeah, yeah, but 
there's no case to answer here. Yeah. That, you know, there, there is a character there that is purely Elvira. Mm. Um, and like you and said, so how how long was Movie Macabre when? Movie Macabre, so this was nineteen eighty eight. That was when... um, eighty one to eighty four. Okay. Uh, and then they brought it back uh, in, in twenty ten for a couple of seasons. Yeah, and actually uh, full length films. Yeah, basically the rap mm. they would be. It was their sort of programming like the the channel's programming for that month and it would be okay like saturdays are horror night or whatever it was and mm. they'd show a film and they'd have a host and i think that she was actually there um there was a, another coast uh, sinister Seymour was mm. the was the channel's former horror host and okay. he died and then they hadn't had the, they hadn't had it on for a few years and then they thought about reviving it and thought initially approached Vampira and then obviously mm. sort of went their own way with it. Um, but yeah, and then I think she did, like in the mid-90s, there was like the Elvira show as well. But mostly the TV stuff is her hosting. Mm. Um, apparently, they were looking to make a kind of sitcom from... They did make a pilot of it. It's on YouTube. Ah, oh, okay. It's awful. Oh, fair enough. To be honest, I think it probably would be, you know, as as a one-off. I think that this is a, a, and I mean, it's notable. The sequel is not an actual sequel in the sense Mm. of continuing the story. The next Elvira film is set in the past. It's a completely different cast and everything, you know, and it's also twenty odd years afterwards isn't it it's like yeah. 2020 mm. yeah, 2002 I think. I think yeah yeah but yeah so that was how uh, the movie got made so basically channel nine which was like a cable access channel in mm. um los angeles had the character of elvira um and she would come on and just do like so the very beginning and then in each of the advert breaks she'd come on and do a little well that was interstitial i believe is the term yeah yeah um and then it you know it gets to the end of the movie so basically nbc wanted the character but the character belonged to channel nine and not to Mm -hmm. cassandra peterson uh but the manager got in contact who wanted to manage her and said look if i can wrestle the character away from the channel say belongs to you will you work for me and that was how it worked and then he mm-hmm. went to nbc and said because uh, that's right sorry so nbc wanted a tv show and the manager had discussed with nbc about doing a, a like a, a a sitcom or whatever and she she had a, a mindset that she wanted to do a movie so nbc mm-hmm. said well look if we fund the movie we get first refusal if you're going to do a sitcom afterwards. So they funded the entire movie. Then they did a pilot of the sitcom and it didn't air well. So they'd no. kind of, but I mean, they've made their money back obviously from. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, did it do well when it was released? Uh, it, uh, I think it did well on home video. Okay. But mm. I'm pretty sure something like the distribution company went bust. So New Line right. dropped out. So New Line, who mm. had made the film, uh, was there for the first three. So basically, they went down a week before the film was launched and their money ran out a couple of weeks after. Mm. So the cinemas that were hosting it weren't getting the ad rights and stuff come through from New Line because they'd gone bust. So a lot of them pulled the movie and stopped showing it because they weren't getting paid uh, yeah. for showing it. Yeah. So although th- in theory I think actually... they should have been making the ticket money, so they should have been if they were making ticket money mm. and no one to pay it to, they'd have been on a fucking winner. So I don't know. Why yeah, but there, there, it, but there might even be some legal thing with that because it's like what someone making extra money. Fuck off. Mm. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lawyer could be having that. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, yeah. I think it was the the thing I read was like it got it was meant to be. It was like over over. Like two and a half thousand cinemas got reduced down to about five hundred, mm. in terms of how many pl- places were showing it. Yeah. So it sort of it sort of tanked, but so well Un- the distribution really, tanked yeah. and they suffered mm. because accordingly yeah. is the best way of putting it. Really. 
but it, it really helped it when it came out on VHS because back in the day when VHSs were, I think they said on the thing I watched recently, it was $90 at the time to buy mm. a VHS for uh, for like Blockbuster and places like that mm. because it had only uh, done three yeah. weeks at the cinema. Everyone had heard about it and hadn't had a chance to see it. So it was selling in record mm. amounts because yeah, because the VHS companies wanted to the VHS uh, rental companies wanted to get hold of it because people were clambering to see it. <laughs> so yeah, plus so, they could also pause sections of the film. You know, let's not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another another uh, high reason for its success on videotape. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, and it is, it's such a shame because this film isn't as well known as I I feel it should be. Like, it is one of those, we always say it when we do horror comedies, like, it's so difficult to span the two genres so perfectly. And this film does, like, it's every bit as horror as Ghoulies or, you know, what you know those really, really good low-budget mm. 80s horror movies. Mm. But the comedy is fantastic and still lands and i still th and, and it's fairly family friendly so it's got a massive audience like it should have done so much better than it did really um I yeah well, like, and the comedy does work surprisingly well in it because you could imagine it might not have quite managed to do that as well as of the other elements and then the way it does get darker towards the end mm. you know it's so yeah they really do achieve everything that they set out to do they're quite sparing with the horror when you think mm. about it. Because yeah. actually it's only up until this, I mean, pretty much up until the point that she makes the casserole. Mm. That's your first real sort of horror bit. They're that sort of magical. is fantastic yeah. looking. Like yeah. still now, it just looks Well, awesome. it gives practical effects in it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think Sort of, and apart from that, it's only really the climax where Uncle Vinny sort mm, of yeah. gets his powers, um, and also when they're going to burn an innocent woman at the stake. You know, that's that definitely because because I look in a weird way, it's quite nice that you get in there stuff that feels B movieish. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like you have a witch burning. You have a uh, you have a pot monster. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the pot monster, but you have like a creature, mm -hmm. and also you have a either British or Anglicised sounding actor yeah. um, being a warlock. It's very much you know it. It's all the beats that a Corman sort of film would have. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, did, they, they, they mentioned him as well, didn't they? At one point, yes, Elvira uh, mentions him. I, I mean, in terms of what could have been. I mean, Lee, you're probably aware of this, but um, Vincent Price was approached to play mm. Vincent Tolbert. Hmm. Um, and at one point, she wanted Tim Burton to direct. Yeah. Uh, and the and he got stuck, I think, Beetlejuice had overrun, or like production on Beetlejuice had overrun. Mm. So basically, he could not do it. But okay. if you think about it, I, I think this could have, this would be more seen if that was the case. Yeah. You know, if it was an early Tim Burton movie, because it would have been Tim Burton, this would have been, it would have come out just after or just before Beetlejuice. Yeah, well, it would have been interesting. Like, so, I would quite yeah. like to have seen how that would have come out, I, as, you know, as good as this is. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's certain things like the paint job on the house. I can see that in a Tim Burton film. Yeah. And, but shot slightly differently when they mm. do the pan up of the house I think it would be just yeah because it'd be Tim Burton but yeah. um they yeah so uh, you could have had this as that uh, like as a um mm. uh, uh a movie in that sense and also apparently Brad Pitt auditioned for one of the teenagers. yeah yeah so so Brad Pitt so when they did the the teenagers so originally the teenagers weren't in it Mm -hmm. when they wrote it um and uh the production company said this is a film aimed at teenagers so we need teenagers to in it to kind some. of mm -hmm. uh yeah so they did an audition and apparently cassandra peterson it, it, he'd never been in anything at the time 
but basically said, yeah, if that teenager was hanging around, there's no way that Elvira would have gone for this older guy. As <laughs> handsome as he is, mm. she would have been after this teenager, which would have been A, illegal, and B, distracting. Uh, mm. So she said he was too pretty to be in it, yeah, and he later turned out to be Brad Pitt. But mm. So you almost got that version of the film, which I th- think Again, would... would... Would put the the, yeah. the, uh, the DVD sales through the roof if it was an early Brad Pitt movie. I think again a lot of yeah a lot more people. Oh, Tim Burton, Tim Burton, Brad Pitt, yeah. you know, Vincent Price as well. You know the old <laughs> Guardian. Um, you know, so it's sort of it's it's a shame in that sense, uh, definitely that it doesn't sort of. Um, but still manages to hold its own. Oh, definitely. definitely. Mm. I, I love this film so, so much. It's awesome. So the first time I ever saw Elvira, um, there was a thing in the early 90s, it must have been, um, where they did a week of heavy metal. Mm. Um, and the only two I remember, because they were the only two I ever watched, but they had Elvira hosting each night. And one of them was Guns N' Roses at the Whiskey A Go-Go like super early when Appetite for Destruction had just come out. Mm. Um, and the other one was Napalm Death um, <laughs> playing in Nottingham. And she did the intro to both of those. And that was the first time I ever saw Elvira. So mm. I didn't even know who she was. I was just like, oh, it's just this, you know, this metal chick who's done this intro thing. Yeah. And then a few years later, I was like, oh, my God, she's got her own movie. This is going to be good. And it was my dad, actually. Um hired it from the rental shop and was like, oh, this is supposed to be a really good horror comedy. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was where I kind of found my love for it. And yeah, <laughs> ever since. So it was when I first got a VHS in my bedroom so I could watch what I want and it didn't have to be what the whole family wanted to watch. I can see your mm. eyes, Adam. It was none of that. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, where's this going? <laughs> all right. It was one of, I, think, I think, think we I, all know. This, we all know. This is as PG as the film was. <laughs> I think I owned like three VHSs and this was one of them. So it was just, if I wanted to watch a film because I didn't want to go downstairs and watch fucking EastEnders and Coronation Street, it was going to be Elvira or... Uh, Critters was the other. I can't remember what the third mm. one was. Um, my National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or something. It was something that wasn't in my regular, mm. you know, rotation. Yeah. So this film just got watched <laughs> until the tape burned out. I think really, but it could have been way worse films. Oh, definitely. And uh, but also, yeah. Weirdly enough, sort of coming back to it and sort of actually, this is oddly sort of yeah, uh, you know clean yeah and again i think i'd put the same complexion on it in my head because i think i was like oh yeah i'm i think i was kind of almost putting it in like say something like animal house or something like that Mm. when actually no it's very much you know this is you can have with that knowledge that you've got the um what they call the teenagers were put in as a um market employee like the, effectively the, yeah the, mm. the producers were like well this is going to be which again is that fucking thing that always annoys me where it's like oh well, teenagers are going to be the ones who watch this so we better put some teenagers in it and it's like people have the ability to identify with characters who are not them yeah <laughs> you know it's you know, it's like you can it's, I, literally it's the only film I can think of in my head at the moment but it's literally like I'm sure plenty of people watch the Goonies who weren't kids at the time yeah. and love it and got on with it. Do you know what I mean? It's not something I don't think you, it's because at that point it's like, oh, well, you know, we might as well go down the route of those shitty T-shirt com- companies. You know, the ones where it's like, if you uh, if you want to meet someone called Adam who was born on this day, yeah. who, <laughs> who likes spear fishing and punching the elderly. <laughs> talk to this guy it's do you know what i mean it's like those same sort of things like, you're oh, not you referring to yourself there are you no not at all, no. <laughs> um but it's that yeah it's just this sort of bizarre thing so they put the teenagers in to mm-hmm. and it does like they said the one thing it does do is it does mean that there's a lot of characters in it yeah, mm. so they don't get the character development mm. they should get because they, mm. because they're suddenly adding you know, like a 
an extra 20% to the amount of characters in it. Like you can only develop so many characters. It's, it's an only an hour and a half movie. It's fairly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And and now did I recognize someone from Greece? The guy. Yes. The horrible guy. Yeah, that's it. That's his name. He's and because uh, he got he got the um he got the comb, didn't he? I was like, yes. that, that is him. Because uh, I was I was like, oh, I recognize him. I'm sure. I'm sure it's him. Also, yeah. one of the teenagers, Bo, um, is also the wizard master from A Nightmare on Elm Street Three, mm-hmm. which I greatly appreciate. See, I've written him down. That I wrote him down in my notes. I had to write him down as wizard, um, a wizard slash wheelchair to remind myself. And it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, so, sometimes my notes might be a bit actionable, if I'm honest. So. <laughs> yeah, so Cassandra Peterson, we mentioned before, um, mm. obviously, because she is Elvira and is one of the writers of the movie. Um, yeah, like she's had a, a, a really interesting career. Obviously, the majority of it has been taken up by this, but mm. she's done other stuff as well as, Obviously, we mentioned her in the last episode because yeah. she played a part in um, uh, All About in, Evil. evil. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to come back around and watch that again and appreciate Cassandra in it now. You can well. actually, I have to say, you can really see mm. how great an actress she is. Okay. Yeah. Um, because of, like, in All About Evil, because, I mean, that's the thing, is you watched it and yeah, you're not no. familiar with the character. No. Like you're not familiar with Elvira particularly, yeah. so you didn't realise it was her. And but there's nothing in it of in, her. I mean, there's there's an injunction, but there's yeah. no yeah. It's sort of yeah. She just plays it straight. It's like yeah. And I think that because um, I mean, she, I think she started off. She started off doing go go dancing in Vegas, and. Mm. Um, Went on a date with Elvis, what like one yeah. date with Elvis Presley. Wow! Um, and basically, realised he was a bellend. <laughs> no, I think I think actually, she, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that basically he was like, "Well, yeah, if you want, if you want to go to Europe, go and do it. Do you know, follow your dream, sort of thing." Mm. And so she then went to Europe and was in a few um, films over there, and was the. F- Front woman of a um, Italian rock band called I Latins eighty, um, mm-hmm. and then sort of came back over and was with this improv team and like the the groundlings. Like I was saying, I like mentioned earlier that like Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman was in her time uh, at the groundlings as well as Phil Hartman, mm-hmm. um, Edie McClurg who plays. Chastity Pariah um, oh, was, right. one, was yeah. one of them as well. She's um, fantastic in this film. She plays so it so well. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sure I've seen her, her her in some other yeah films. Yeah, she's in um, she's Mallory's mum in Natural Killers, and she is um, she's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, the, yes, yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, because that because that clip's been doing the rounds a lot of the she's the checking clerk in planes, trains, and automobiles who Steve Martin has a massive swear at, and um, yeah, that clip's been doing doing the rounds a lot lately mm-hmm. anyway for some reason. Um, but um, and like the hitchhiker who's in it, that's um, that's Joey Arias who who's gone on to be like a a, a massive like dragon cabaret artist mm. who was in the groundlings um the bartender at the bowling alley uh, is mary stewart um but um the uh gas station attendant you know the guy who's just picking his nose and sitting the fart in and reading his uh newspaper right at the start yeah that's john paragon who is also one of the writers mm. And he used to be the breather on Elvira's movie Macabre, which was like a little segment where it was like he'd ring up as like a heavy breathing caller. And it was just a pitch. It was just cut to him in a phone booth looking absolutely 
Yeah. Horrific. Yeah. All shiny like, and wet and yeah. yeah, greasy, stubbly. Oh, just yeah, just and um yeah, he'd ring up as a heavy breathing caller and then sort of do jokes with Elvira on there and stuff like that. And yeah, so there's I so say, the other like, I could say the other writer is in there as well, isn't he? So mm. the other writer, Sam, appears at the end, so Bo who was the guy who was in a nightmare in Elm Street at the end where it's the it's him and his dad and they both look almost identical. Um, yeah, yeah. So the father is actually the third writer as well. Uh, um yeah, yeah, and him and Bo obviously aren't related, but are just really, just really just, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then then she auditioned for the part of Elvira. Um, got it, and and like I say, I mean, you've been working with like a like renowned improv troupe, like mm. comedy improv troupe. So she's got the chops, you know. She's she's yeah. got the comedic ability and everything else like that. And she got the part of Elvira, or sort of got the part and created Elvira. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and it's such a marketable image. Do you know what I mean? It's something that you can have either, whether it's a photograph of her or it's a drawing of her, it's really clear. It's Isn't it? It's, it's just, yeah. It's one of those things, if um, if it's recognisable as a silhouette, then it's very marketable. It's like Darth Vader. Yeah. Yes. You know, you've got such a clear shape. It's yeah, instantly Appar- recognisable. Apparently, that's, def- that's always a good thing for comics as well. Mm. If you think about it, most, like, the really successful superheroes have such an obvious silhouette. Mm. But um, yeah, and and like we were saying, like fucking um, like the the townspeople. So you got Edie McClurg, like Chastity Pariah, and like you said, like she's just absolutely perfect in that role. Yeah, because she is just just a nasty piece yeah. of work. You exactly know. what you you expect. Is that well? It's that thing of some. <laughs> it's like the sort of hyacinth bouquet thing of. Like, you know, this sort of put on Mm. sense of moral superiority, despite the fact that you are not morally superior. (laughs) That's fantastic. The guy who plays the attorney as well, I can't remember his name right now. I've got it written down, but um, I can't see it by the light of my monitor. Um, Yeah, like I've seen him in a couple of things and he's fantastic. Like I really like him. Um, And he's another one. He said he came to acting quite late. And this is one of mm. his first roles. Yeah, and I just think he's brilliant. He just plays... A, he looks like Jack D. Um, yeah, he just <laughs> plays a horrible sleaze so well and so comedically. Like, his timing is awesome in this. It works really, really well. Yeah. Are you, you're not... Which one are you talking about? Sorry, the... Uh, so, the guy who plays the... He, so he, Plays the realtor who comes to sell. Oh the place. yeah, Kurt, Kurt Fuller. Um, yeah, yeah, he's the blotter. Yeah, because he's in Ghostbusters too. He's the main shit in Ghostbusters yes, too. He's the, yeah, he's the Walter Peck of Ghostbusters too, isn't he? Yeah, so he um, always plays the dickish, like the you know the kind of dickish middle management type. Yeah, and he, he just does it so well. Yeah, because he's in, um, this was, the, uh, again, good movie for Claire because he's in Wayne's World, and you know that. Mm-hmm. That's how Claire works on a reference basis. <laughs> if they and, are um, on in Wayne's World. It's, a, it's actually Wayne's World 2 that seems to be the key one, especially especially when you watch Big Trouble in Little Giant. And it's like, oh, let's get Sandra's dad from Wayne's World 2. <laughs> the, although the best, the best one, obviously, was uh, Charlton Heston. Oh, he's in Wayne's World too. Yeah, he's Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, and obviously, uh, and also you've got uh, Patty, who is um, oh, wherever I have all these names written down. Susan Kellerman, yeah, who's obviously awesome, in, she's in Beetlejuice at the, uh, as well around the same time. Yeah, um, she's the. She's one of the guests to the sort of party that they throw at the end. Like Ofo mm. does this exorcism party, and she's yeah, yeah. she's one of the guests there. Um, but um, and again, it's like this—you've got this horrible, suffocating group of people. Um, 
uh, sort of bearing down on the character. But I have to say as well, I think that like Morgan Shepherd as um, Uncle Vinny, yes. He's that, so outstanding. Absolutely. It's weird when you sit there and it's weird when you learn that someone, a character could have been played by Vincent Price and you don't care. Yeah, you know, because I don't, I don't know. Apart from a profile element for the film itself, I don't know that Vincent Price playing that character would have improved it a job. Mm. I no. think that he does that really well, and oddly enough, he's got that sort of thing um, that you kind of have to have in any comedy movie of a genuine threat. Yeah, because everyone else kind of isn't. Do you know what I mean? They're they're fallible, or whatever like that. And it's that same thing about um I think like Quentin Tarantino said it about um Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is that the the monsters do kill people. Mm. So it doesn't diminish them in that sense. And the similar with this is that he is the sort of he's the only one who is not waived and just sort of retains, I don't know, evil dignity or something like that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like, as much as I love Vincent Price, Mm. yeah, this guy does it with another depth of menace that seems kind of genuine. Um, Mm. Yeah, and again, he's he's got that, as you were saying, like that kind of looking down on everyone. He's got it so down in this. It's it's just mm. perfect, like you know. It, it is it, such a good contrast, yeah, to the rest. And his mm. delivery is fantastic. Like there mm. isn't a line that he gives in this that isn't absolutely perfect. He does mm. such, a, such a perfect job. See, I think weirdly, if Vincent Price was in there and make him more cuddly, mm. yeah. it would make him a familiar <laughs> character. Whereas actually, by yeah. having someone slightly oh, because Morgan Shepherd's in like loads of stuff, but I, I like, definitely thought I'd recognised him. He's he's yeah, in a lot of, is in? A, well he did a lot of Star Treks. Um I think he's done pretty much yeah, Voyager, Next Generation, and he's in uh, mm. the Undiscovered Country. He's one of the Klingon captains in uh, uh okay. the sixth Star Trek film. He's in a yeah. he's in a film I absolutely adore called The Keep, just being a creepy old man. He is <laughs> fucking Fantastic. Was that that the one we went to see at the Prince Charles Cinema about the night? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one. And he's he plays the guy who like is the caretaker of the keep. Who's like going around going, You won't stay here tonight. And they're like, Oh, really? Why is that? You'll leave. Why? (laughs) Why? What happens? Do we get murdered? No one has ever died here, but no one has ever spent a night. And it's just, (laughs) just like it's just like, just yeah, just superbly creepy. And now he's in the Prestige, he's in the Elephant Man, mm. he's in, um, oh, he's in Wild at Heart. He's Mr. Reindeer in Wild at Heart. Also, his son, um, is an actor, uh, Mark Shepherd. And in Doctor Who, they had a character. It was like this FBI agent, and they played them across two different time zones, like two times. Oh, nice. So more like uh, Morgan Shepherd um, played the older version of this character, who then they went back in time and met as a younger man, and it was played by his son. Um, and his son is probably um, I know this is a, this is one that some people will either just get or not, but he's the guy who can start. He's the pyrokinetic in the X Files, the guy who can start fires with his mind. Um, oh, okay. It's like very. I think it's like first season or something like that, and um, and it was weird because I remember watching it and being like, I know you from somewhere, and actually I think no, I know your dad from somewhere, <laughs> and you're kind of similar. But um, yeah, and he's in like he's in Hammer House of Horror and Day of the Triffids, Max Headroom, uh, Babylon Five as well might have been one where you saw him, Chris. So mm-hmm. he's you know he's done yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. He's yeah. he's kind of. It kind of reminds me he's that same sort of thing as like David Warner. Yeah. Of being like a Brit in America who plays a lot of villains mm. or sort of part time villains and stuff like that. So basically, yeah, it's anyone who's ever played a Klingon, isn't it, in a movie? <laughs> 
So it's either David Warner, Morgan Shepherd, or um oh, I can't think of his name, but yeah, him. Uh from Murder by Decree. Uh Plummer, whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, that's gone. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, yeah, I think the cast is a big thing in this. Like, I know I say it quite frequently, but like, this is a cast that seems to gel so perfectly well. Mm. Um, and again, everyone knows what they're in. There's nobody playing it too serious or so, too kind of comedic. Like, mm. everyone knows what they're doing. I, I suppose because Elvira was a kind of known quantity before this was kind of hatched really. So people know that have an idea of the ballpark they're playing for. Um, but again, before this film, apparently um, Elvira was only like cable access. So it was only people in LA who knew her. So although she was a very well-known character in LA, trying to sell it abroad, they were saying was quite a, mm. a challenge because it wasn't like taking a known character and going, oh, we're going to take this really famous character and give them a movie. The rest of the mm. world didn't really know who she was. So it was yeah. just like, oh, here's a, here's a movie about this character who you have no kind of knowledge yeah. of. And I think the film does very much work on knowing who she is and what she does, really. Um, it's like certain things, a bit like Cheech and Chong movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if you weren't aware of them like as a comedic double act or had any of the albums or something like that it must have been that same thing to sort of come along and they've got these two like you say it's like two it's like a fully formed character but you are kind of expected to know where they're going yeah exactly yeah you know what i mean you don't learn about the character you kind of you know you you already you know it that's why yeah. you come to this movie yeah yeah i suppose yeah you do get dropped into her life as she's getting fired and her adventure you, yeah you don't really get like a backstory it's weird that they, it's weird because they have that fantasy sequence at the start where she's like when you know the the reading of the will as she dreams it, it turns that. into a game show which is just brilliant and mm. probably does give you what you need to know about a certain thing um, but it's weird that they only do it that once in there because I think that's a really terrific little cutaway. Mind you, like I said, we're already losing characters to additional characters yeah. And, yeah. and additional sequences and stuff like that. So I suppose it's sort of, yeah, if you start bunging that in as well, it would really... And sort of, yeah, it'll go a bit all over the place. Yeah, so the, so the sequel to this, uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills, came out in 2001. So it was, it right. was a long time That's, after yeah. the original. Um, so my first viewing of that actually came from Adam, who had it on DVD mm. and brought it round because we were discussing Elvira one night. Uh, we'd been sitting up drinking, and I was just like, oh, do you know what? I love that film. There isn't a year go by I don't watch it. And he was like, yeah, but what did you think of the sequel? And I was like, what? <laughs> so Adam brought it round and we watched it. Um, and I think he left it with me. Mm. And I, I've still got it still on the shelf. Um, yeah, and I, I. You're a, an look as an Elvira fan. I cannot hold a candle to you. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? And I love the woman. So it's yeah, it's it's a, um. So it def it definitely needed to live with you. Thank you, thank you. And trust me, I have watched it very many times. It's <laughs> it's a far from perfect movie, but yeah, and it really doesn't hold up to the first, but I enjoy it in a different way. It's um it's a kind it's, of comfort it's more Elvira. It's a comfort movie. It's one of those like I don't want any I just want something on it's a it's a hangover movie, is what it is. You mm. put it on, you okay. kind of doze in and out and you don't miss too much because the story is very meandering. Um, I, I, I think, because I re-watched it for this, and I, I mm. do think a lot of what damages that film is actually the editing over anything else. Mm. Um, they do... Because, I mean... Oh, so, I was, I was going to say, to explain to you, Chris, is that basically it's not a follow-up in terms of the story to this yeah okay. it's 
it's set in what I'm going to comfortably call Roger Corman, Vincent yeah. Price era. Mm-hmm. And it's very much a take on the Corman Poe movies, particularly a pit, the Pit and the Pendulum, mm-hmm. uh, Tomb the of Ligeia. Yeah, Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. And Richard O'Brien plays the main sort of antagonist in it. Um, and he's very good, but he's basically yeah. playing the role that would have been Vincent Price's role if Vincent mm. Price was a, around to take it. Um, and, um, yeah, I think, again, I think it might be something. Weirdly enough, I think you'd enjoy it, Chris. Because uh, yeah, no, I mean, get you know, the corn, you I'm, know I'm the quite tempted. Stuff, but... yeah. <laughs> it's well worth watching. Like, it, mm. it, it's, I mean, it's only an hour and a half. It's, it's got It's got all the perfect touches. So... Like, I think we said it before when we covered one of the Roger Corman films, uh, the beginning, which is all that oil on water, all the swirling mm. colours. Yeah. It starts yeah. with all that. Um, yeah. yeah. And then cuts to Elvira, and it's all shot in Bucharest and Transylvania. Mm. Um, and, it's, and it's yeah. set in the sort of 1800s. Sort yeah, 1850, I think it says it's yeah. set in. Um, yeah. And, and, and so I mean, it has that. It, so it has that sort of thing where it's like, and Elvira doesn't change. So mm. Elvira is it's that thing of the modern person dropped into uh, okay. a different time. Is uh, part that's of kind of interesting. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. So she is a, a, a dancer and cabaret act who is trying mm. to make it from America to Paris via Transylvania. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and basically gets evicted for not paying the rent and gets picked up uh, by a random coach that takes her to a castle and that castle is effectively, um, uh, yeah, the the House of Usher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all the characters she meets there. And it's, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I like it and it's it's got a really quirky comedy to it. But as I say, I, I think the problem is the editing that I found quite a lot is mm. having rewatched it, she does a joke that's quite a snappy joke and then the camera holds on her for two to three seconds mm. and then they all almost fall out of character before the scene cuts away. Like, and it just, it feels like they've delivered the joke, given the second for a laugh and have then just gone into relax mode and then it cuts out of it. And it's just, it's a really poorly edited movie, unfortunately, but yeah, Again, but it's only an hour and a half, so I wonder if a lot of it was just leave the extra seconds in for runtime. Yeah, making the runtime up almost. Yeah, yeah and it, it really damages the film, unfortunately. Because um, it was self, because it was self-funded, um, essentially by Elvira and her manager, who she was married to at the time. Um, and um, yeah, they, I think they'd been trying to get the sequel for a be- for a good sort of ten years or whatever it was. Mm. via the normal channels but as we said the film wasn't a film wasn't a box office success but that's through no fault of the film but that's all mm. you see on paper is film did not make money and again yeah. like you said lee where it's like again there would be questions of well does is elvira well known enough to translate you mm. said she was but the you know the film didn't do yeah. that well so maybe not and yeah and in the end they were like fuck it should we just try and get the money together to do so is it is on i mean it's impressive for the budget that it's on but it's not yeah, yeah. it's yeah because i mean this this i mean this isn't exactly you know mega bucks in and of itself but you know there's clearly an amount of money and an amount of, and the thing is it's also, 10 million, like said, apparently was the the budget for the first one um mm. and it did run over slightly which is why they had trouble uh so the the final scene the Vegas scene, apparently they'd run out of budget. So they said, yeah, we're just not going to shoot the Vegas scene. Um, mm. Yeah. And Elvira, uh, uh, Cassandra Peterson, went to the head of the company. They went to the head of um, is it New Line or someone. It was New Line, yeah. 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 And basically sat in the waiting room for two hours and cried her eyes out until he agreed to see her. And then she went mm-hmm. in there and cried her eyes out and said, we've put so much into this without that last scene. It, it, the film doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to admit, I hate song and dance numbers in a film. So I always cut it before. 
<laughs> Literally, it cuts to her in Vegas. Uh, yeah, and I go, yeah, I've seen it again, and stop it there. But uh, for people who like that type, like I do get it needs to be in there for people who... <laughs> It seems like say, a good I, ending. I don't know like some dance numbers, but there are certain elements to that end sequence that keep me uh, keep me uh, happy enough. You know, yeah, yeah sat in my seat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, I think that, but yeah, no, that's that's I'd heard that. Ba- yeah, basically, they were like, we won't pay for this end sequence, and then they were kind of like, well, we'll show you the film as it stands, and then. Don't you feel it needs, yeah, to have the end sequence in? Because actually, I mean, I suppose if you'd have ended it and it was just the sort of Las Vegas, here we come, that almost would feel like an ending to a movie anyway. Because That's, then I, I felt that would have worked perfectly well, mm. but I, I think for them they were like that. The whole point of the film was that she would get yes, to the... Vegas, yeah. yeah, and you would get to see her act. So to not show the act was, yeah. I think yeah, that's the thing as well, is it's to letting people know what this is what you could expect of Elvira if you went to see um like if you went to see a show. And uh, but just, I think that uh, just just a side note, that is the Flamingo Hotel in which she performs, which is the hotel in which myself and uh um Bobby Pinball Bobby from the Not For Everyone podcast stayed in mm. when we went to Vegas because because it's the, it's the hotel from it's the hotel from Elvira. Like if you're going to pick one to stay in in Vegas, it's going to be the Flamingo. It's where she was supposed. Despite the fact it wasn't shot in the Flamingo, it was shot in a seedy uh, nightclub <laughs> just outside Las Vegas, uh, just outside mm. um, Hollywood. But, but yeah, they got it. They got it in there, and in a weird way, it's probably good because. The the natural thought would be finish it as she says, Las Vegas. Here we come. Then the film's a massive success, and then the immediate sequel you can do is Elvira goes to Vegas, yeah, <laughs> and you just do that story for the next one. But obviously, that wasn't to be, so you do mm-hmm. actually get to see Elvira's dream come true rather than it being left on a cliffhanger, as it were. So, <laughs> there, there was yeah. talk. So, the, the documentary that came out, uh, called Too Macabre in. 2018 um yeah apparently one of the writers did say that uh cassandra peterson had uh been speaking with him and talked about getting the three original writers back to do an actual sequel to elvira um Mm -hmm. and it had been discussed so obviously we've not heard anything since but it was Mm. something that was being discussed pre-pandemic so i mean she's still touring and stuff so it isn't something that's entirely out of the limits um and it's quite a heavily made up character so you could kind of continue it some way i'd like to (laughs) adam is looking quite offended i'm just looking askance at that because i think you'll find sandra peterson she looks she looks she looks fucking incredible it's yeah, no, out, no, out, no, out no. Or in makeup, so I'm absolutely not saying that. But it is thirty <laughs> odd years later, is what I would like to point mm. out. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's yeah, yeah, but, the, yeah, but she don't look any fucking different. Really. No, she doesn't. No, no, no. <laughs> and particularly when she's Elvira, she definitely is like. No. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Like she could totally still pull it off thirty mm. years later. Which, I mean, Jesus, none of us look like we did thirty mm. years ago. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that wasn't a dig at Elvira, Jesus. Oh, good. I was going to say. But what I mean is, yeah, like it, you know, respect. You know me. Yeah, I, there was I don't nothing know. you I... could do to force me to disrespect Elvira. That's true. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I don't know whether I'd be. I I just don't think they need to do it in a weird way. I don't think they do, but I'd watch it. I mean, I'm going to oh, watch yeah. Rob Zombie's <laughs> Monster movie is coming out in fucking, what, 11 days? I'm going to watch that. Mm. Well, she's in it. Uh, she is yeah. in it as well. Yeah, yeah. That's another <laughs> good point. That's a bonus, um, yeah. Yeah, so Cassandra Peterson's in that. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, she's still uh, she's still going. So, you're like working and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not out of the bounds of possibility. 
she's no. still doing the Halloween thing every year as well, which, you know, mm. she does like a whole song and dance number and stuff. So, like, yeah, she hasn't slowed down at all in her professional mm. capacity. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd definitely be keen to see it. Um, no. but yeah, but, yeah. Say, I don't think the film needs it, but I, I'd totally be there for it. 100% opening night. Woo, I think my mom's... Boa. <laughs> Lovely. You might and even nothing dance. Nothing else. <laughs> nothing but a nothing but a, nothing but a feather bow, and you could see his mentionables. Oh, <laughs> I'd wear. But, uh, I, I think my one my one last note I would have to mention though, other than the old boy who is in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest who has mustard licked off his ear, which is one of the most. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, like, gives me the eebie jeebies. Yeah, I like, I like that actually. He's fucking great in everything, mm. because yeah. uh, he's the shoe shine boy in Police Squad. You know, the, uh, where he always goes to for information, and then it's the next one in the line. It's like a doctor asking how to do heart surgery. <laughs> <laughs> but I think my final note on this, and I had to keep doing it yesterday for my own amusement, probably not to Claire's, um, was. Um, Every time it was Algonquin's sort of bit of uh, 80s rock music that came on, all I had in my head was they were just two guys, but one of them was a sentient shade of green. <laughs> or they were brothers, except one of them was a sister, and so on and so forth like that. They ju it just had that feel of like screwball comedy mm. trailer that I'm definitely not going to watch. <laughs> Oh, and on another note, Claire really fucking enjoyed Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, yeah? I 100% <laughs> knew that she would, actually. <laughs> there was never any doubt in my mind. I, I must confess, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. You just said, can we do more movies like that? So, look, what was it? Yeah, less of the clever stuff. Just... <laughs> more of the outrageous fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right, so on that note, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, go and check out Not For Everyone podcast. Uh, go and check out the Screen Queens with a Z. Yeah. Uh, and uh, go Eerie and... Essex. Yes, Eerie Essex, as always. Uh, and we will see you in a fortnight's time for our What We've Been Watching. Good night. Good night. Good night.